What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed good show for you here on this weekend before the Thanksgiving holiday. Recap, of course, the Thursday night game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Break down and preview the uh, upcoming important games of week 11 in the National Football League. Of course, the week 11 picks against the spread and got some uh, all, some NBA free agency news. And uh, and I'll get into the Toronto Raptors playing. looks like they're going to be playing their home games of the 2020-2021 season as for, you know, since we're still dealing with this virus until, uh, you know, they'll be playing those games in Tampa. And then, of course, I got something else I want to get on the board here as far as uh, Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly Stafford, is concerned. And then, we'll, and then of course, uh, we'll be on your way. But uh, first off, I want to welcome you in. Thank you for listening to another episode of uh, your favorite sports talk uh, program. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this uh, weekend of Saturday, November the 21st, the year 2020. And let's jump right into it and break down this uh, Arizona Cardinals in the Seattle Seahawks game. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks as a whole, they played a much, 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 much better game collectively a couple days ago than they did uh, earlier in the week on Sunday against the St. Louis, against the Los Angeles Rams. They won the game by the final score of uh, they want to give a final score of 28-21. Russell Wilson granted he didn't throw for uh, he didn't throw for over 200 yards. He only threw for 197. But when you don't turn over the football, which he had been accustomed to doing the last couple of games and was 23 for 28 and threw and threw for two touchdowns, you'll take that any day of the week than him, you know, throwing for, you know, 275 305 and and throwing two interceptions and losing a ball via fumble you know if you're a Seahawks fan I love my younger brother you'll take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday but the Seahawks played a much 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 better game collectively as a unit on Thursday night Russell Wilson didn't make any mistakes turning the football over the defense obviously uh, they didn't you know they didn't let the Rams offense all the Rams offense you know is not that good anyway they didn't let the Rams offense go crazy on Sunday and they didn't let the Cardinals go crazy you know in the previous in the previous matchup back in late October you know they the Seahawks defense allowed the Cardinals to put 37 points on the board and allow and allowed Kyler Murray to throw for uh, three touchdowns and 100 and or excuse me 360 yards passing compared to um Compared to on Thursday night, they let Kyler Murray throw for 269 and two touchdown passes, and the Cardinals only put up 21 points. You know, they held them scoreless in the first quarter, and they essentially scored a touchdown from the set from the second quarter all the way on. So give the Seattle Seahawks defense, which stinks, but played very, very, very well on Thursday night. Give them a lot of credit for uh, turning, you know, the last two games they've turned it around. You know, they lost to the Rams, not because of the defense, but because Russell Wilson. But give them credit that they shut down and they kept Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake and and and, uh, and Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins. Give them a whole hell of a lot of credit, especially that secondary, for holding uh, for holding that Arizona high flying Arizona offense intact. They didn't let them go. You know they got 57 total rushing yards. The entire game, the leading rusher was Kenyon Drake, who had 11 carries for 29 yards, averaged 2.6 yards a carry, and ran for a touchdown. So give the Seattle Seahawks defense a lot of credit on the up the, up with the uh, with the front four and their secondary for keeping the Arizona Cardinal offense in check. You know, especially coming off of you know when they played them about you know four weeks ago when they uh, when they allowed Arizona to put up 37 points and they lost in overtime on that Sunday night game in the middle of the desert. So give Seattle's defense a whole hell of 
whole lot of credit. Give Russell Wilson a whole hell of a lot of credit. He didn't turn over the football, which if you're a Seahawks fan, you like and that you absolutely need, you know, expect to win football games. Your, top, your best player on your team, Russell Wilson, and the most valuable, the most important player on your team, Russell Wilson, cannot turn over the football four times to expect to win. You just can't do that. So give all the credit to Russ that he got that he got his head on straight and they didn't turn over the football. He was very efficient and he was very precise with his decisions on uh, on when and where to throw the football. So give him a hell of a lot of credit um, as far as uh, Russell Wilson is concerned. Um, Carlos Dunlap, you saw it made a difference with the game with the game closing game clinching sack at the end. Ironically, a former Cincinnati Bengal is there. You know, in what his what his uh, second third game as a as a Seattle Seahawk, and he and he made the difference, and he uh, and he sealed the deal for Arizona. Uh, and then, and the Seattle needed, and this is the last thing I'll say about Seattle. Then I'll get to the Arizona standpoint. Then I'll take a break and we'll get you going. Um, Seattle needed to win that game in the worst way, man, ma- uh, manageable, imaginable, excuse me. You know, the, you know, they outside of beat, outside of beating, uh, beating, uh, um, the 49ers in an absolute bloodbath, you know, they needed to outside, outside of the, outside of the 49er win, they, they, they had lost heading into that game, three of their last four games. They lost to Arizona, which knocked them off their undefeated pedestal. They took care of a banged up and a 49er team that had no chance at home. And then they got, and they went to the East Coast and got embarrassed by Buffalo. And then offense couldn't muster up anything against the Rams just on just this past Sunday. So the Seattle needed to win that game in the worst way imaginable. If they wanted to a win the division and b still compete for that top seed in the NFC, in the NFC, you know, because at because at, this was by far, you know, you can make the argument the Ram game in Week 16 on the 27th of uh, December, two days after Christmas, you can make that argument. That's that there's that that is quote unquote their hardest game still on schedule of the season, but they needed to, they could not afford they could not expect to win the division and get a top one or two seed anything if. They lost to the Cardinals on Thursday night and dropped three in a row and lost uh, four of the out of the last five. They could not afford to do that under any circumstances and fall to six and four. I mean that was a recipe for disaster. I understand that. And I'll read you their schedule right here. I understand that they play the uh, NFC East and then throw in the Jets and then throw in a 49er team last game of the season, week 17. They could not afford, could not afford to lose that game on Thursday night. They needed that game in the worst way imaginable to keep their, uh, to keep their not, not playoff hopes, but to keep their hopes live to winning the division and to keep them in good standing to get that number one seed in the NFC. And I'll get to the Arizona, and I'll get to Arizona in a minute. And they needed to win that game because Seattle has the easiest again outside of the Rams one more time, and then and then a banged up 49er team in the Jets. They play the NFC East, which are four opponents they should absolutely destroy. And that stretch starts on Monday night when they fly east to uh and they got they got a long not this upcoming Monday but the Monday after next or the Monday after this upcoming Monday the Monday after th- the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend is when they will play the Eagles they get 11 days off now what it's 8 9 days now so that's a, sort of like a mini buy for in Seattle's advantage which is also key considering they have to fly across country not that it means anything playing a primetime game on the east coast you know 520 body clock you know they'd be what just wrapping up practice at this point so when it's a prime when it's a nationally televised primetime night game that time difference really doesn't play a uh, doesn't play a huge factor. It'd still be dark by the time kickoff uh, would commence anyway. But Seattle needed to win that game in the worst way worst way imaginable. Especially if you look at the other teams in the NFC. You know Green Bay. They could you know Green Bay, who Seattle does not play this season. You know they have an easy schedule going down the line too. They got Colts, Bears, Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans, Bears. And like I said with Brendan, and like I said. Last episode, I talked to you guys, and probably the episode before that, Green Bay is in a prime, prime opportunity. 
opportunity for them to run the table and wrap up the season at uh, and wrap up the season at 14 and two. Maybe maybe Seattle gets lucky and they get picked off by the Titans or or lose or lose a close one to the Colts tomorrow. But uh, like I said, if they want the number one seed, their margin of error is so minimal is damn near is damn near next to nothing. So and they got Green Bay with an easy schedule. The Saints with no Drew Brees with uh, with no Drew Brees placed on IR with uh, broken ribs and a collapsed lung, and they have Taysom Hill and uh, Jameis Winston sharing the duties at quarterback till his return. As Drew Brees placed on IR, guaranteed to be out the next three weeks. And the next three weeks, they got the Falcons twice, and then the Broncos. And by the time Drew Brees comes back, they'll have though you know they'll you know they'll take their you know they'll uh, practice on the Eagles before they play uh, arguably their third biggest game of the year and that's when they go or uh, third off you know, one of the top 5 biggest games of the year on the schedule when they play when they play the Chiefs and Breeze will be back you would think Breeze will be back well by that time but like I said the Saints you know the Falcons could give them could give them some trouble two times in the next 3 weeks the Broncos be will be easy for them. The Eagles will be easy for them. The Vikings should be easy for them. And the Panthers, if they have anything, anything to play for, you know they'll give they'll put up a fight. But if they have anything to play for, you would think that the Saints would uh, would get the best of the Panthers. But especially you know especially you know the Sa- the Saints and the Bucks and the Bucks' chances of winning the division are small and minimal anyway. Because of the fact that they, uh, you know, they got swept by the Saints, and it's nearly virtually, you know, and if it ever, and if they, and if them and the Saints come down at the end of the stretch, at the end of the regular season with the same record, the Saints win the division via tiebreaker head to head. So it's almost, so it's almost as if like the, you know, it's almost as if like the uh, the Buccaneers could could be like, you know, could uh, be a thirteen and three wild. You know, they could be thirteen. They could finish season thirteen and three, and it wouldn't matter because they lost the two games that they needed to win against the Saints and Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Both have yet both have to play the Chiefs, and their opponents are a little bit tougher than the Seahawks' opponents, which is why it was so so vital and important for the Seattle Seahawks to take care of business against the um against the Arizona Cardinals the other night. Uh but give Seattle all the credit in the world they definitely got it done. Now to the Arizona side of things. Arizona is a good team. They got talent. They got offensive firepower. They got names that you know that that oh look at that. You know they got you know Buda Baker on defense is a name. Isaiah Simmons is a name. You know on there on the offensive side of the ball. Kyler Murray and arguably the best wide receiver in all football, DeAndre Hopkins. And let's not forget the uh, you know the old stallion still going strong and Larry Fitzgerald. Let's not forget about him either. So they got they got names. They got superstars. They got firepower. Arizona Cardinals' problem is they don't have any experience. It's, you know, they, the lack of experience. You know, the only you know the guys on what Larry Fitzgerald really. You know the quarterback has no postseason experience. The head coach didn't have any postseason experience. So, which which is which is important. You know when you're going into the when you're trying to make it down a playoff push. You know in the last month and a half of the regular season, and you you know and your two main guys, your quarterback and your head coach, don't have any experience in that setting. You know, and Larry Fitzgerald can only have but so much influence as a you know as a number two wide receiver on the depth chart at you know thirty something years of age. But you know, this is a high powered team and an and, a, and an entertaining team to watch play football. The only problem is they're inexperienced, which will hurt them coming down the stretch. And they commit way, 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 way too many penalties on the offensive side of the football. I mean, you would have thought that that place was packed 70 was packed 70,000 people to the gills at uh or excuse me, 68 a sixty-eight thousand plus to the gills at CenturyLink, or now now called Lumen Field up in Seattle, with has with as many uh, a false start penalties that the Arizona Cardinals created 
the you know created or excuse me made on offense. I mean that uh, ten penalties for 115 yards is no. I don't care if you're playing uh, NFL D1A, D1B, D2, D3, or high school or uh, or middle school football. You commit you commit more than five penalties, especially when they add up for 115 total yards of penalty loss or get you know 150 when you rack up no matter what level of football you plan on for 115 penalty yards and you commit 10 of them a lot of them on the offensive side of football for the same damn thing and false starts odds are nine times out of ten you don't deserve to win a football game and most likely you're not going to win the football game because that is something that that team has to get fixed and has to address if they want to compete in the nfc west and then down down the line in the future quick fast and in a hurry because you cannot expect to compete to win championships in this league and expect to compete in the same division as Russell Wilson and the Seahawks who have the, who are going on eight years of uh, sharing a domination with that division, not to mention the 49ers who'll be right back in the thick of things come 2021, 2022. You cannot expect to compete when you're, com- when you're shooting yourselves in the foot and, and, uh, and sabotaging yourself, committing penalties, especially, especially on the offensive side of the football. I mean, all them false start penalties and, you know, in Seattle, the place, you know, it's not like that. The, it's not, the Seahawks are not a team that's got like you know five thousand fans in there. They, they got nothing. The only people that sit up in the stands are Christina Pink and Aaron Andrews of of uh, of, of Fox of Fox doing you know reporting doing the doing the doing the game on television. That's it. There's nobody. In, there's nobody in the stands. Nobody. I mean, you would have thought that the place again was packed with sixty-eight thousand members of, of the twelfth man screaming and hollering and banging as much noise as loud as possible with as many false start penalties they had in that game. But Arizona's got to clean it up if they expect to compete. If they expect to compete, not just in twenty twenty, but in twenty twenty one and beyond, because you cannot expect to succeed in this division and in this league committing penalties like that, shooting yourselves in the foot. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. And that's why I think that Arizona will eventually fall off in the end, because you because you know this wasn't a must win game for Arizona, but the way that they lost. Was uh, was uh, if you are an Arizona Cardinal fan, it wouldn't make you happy. They gotta play the Patriots. They gotta fly east to pay the pe- to play the Patriots. You, we all know how Bill Belichick does against rookie rookie slash second year young quarterbacks. You know he uh, outside of Lamar Jackson last you know last November he's he strictly owns them. And then of course they'll play a Rams defense that'll be sure to hold the Cardinals in check. They all right. They play the Giants and the Eagles and the 49ers fine. They got to play the Rams again, so and they're not so they're not exactly a shoe in a, a clear shoe in to make it into the NFC playoffs as a wild card team. Not to mention the LA Rams, who granted is a little bit tougher because they have to play uh, you know have to play Seattle again, the Cardinals twice, and the Buccaneers, and the easiest games left on the schedule are you know are the Jets and the 49ers and you know toss up with the Patriots. But if you know that that's not a game, if you even with the expanded playoffs, that's not a game that you that if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, you wanted to lose. You wanted to uh, you wanted to sweep the season series from the Seattle Seahawks on uh, on Thursday night. You you just again not the end of the world. If they make the playoffs, it's not going to be the end of the world. But if you're a Seattle Seahawks, or if, excuse me, if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, you have to be just. Maybe besides yourself a little strong, but you have to be annoyed not be not not at the fact that they lost, but how they lost because the Arizona Cardinals beat themselves on Thursday night. Seattle Seattle played well, don't get me wrong, but 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 at the same time, Arizona beat beat themselves on Thursday night. You got to be honest. You got to be fair. Take a break. Come right back. Just getting started. This is the Amitelica TIS podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this.
Welcome back to the Amitalika TIS podcast. Switching gears now uh, to something that I found quite interesting while I was uh, out and about on uh, on uh, Thursday afternoon, and I guess uh, and I didn't even know about this till I came till it came across I guess my Twitter feed on Thursday, but but uh, here you go, and uh, this and, and I'm again. I'm not pulling any punches. I could give a damn what anyone else says or thinks. I'm not interested. This is what I think, me, and my opinion, and what I think alone. I'm here to speak my mind and to tell you what I think. Tell you how I feel. And, and as as the as the title of the show is, Tud Like a T.I.S. And I'm going to tell like a T.I.S. right here. So I guess Kelly Stafford wife of Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, I guess, went on an Instagram rant on Thursday morning. I don't know. I don't follow her or Matthew. I just don't. Uh, calling the state of Michigan a, de- a dictatorship, quote, in response to new coronavirus regulations put in place by Governor Gretchen Winmer, Whitmer, saying, saying, quote, I'm so over living in a dictatorship that we call Michigan. I understand there's a pandemic, and I understand it's very scary. I'm scared of it, too. If you're at risk, please don't leave your house until there's a vaccine. Shutting down all these small businesses, things that people work their life for, shutting them down again is not the answer because they will not make it so once we are able to leave our house, once this dictatorship decides to let us have some freedom, there'll be nothing left. I'm just over it. Okay, first off, can Matt, can I, and I understand that Matthew Stafford's wife had, you know, had a brain tumor and had brain, I'm sensitive and I understand all that, but damn it, that doesn't absolve her for these completely just tone deaf, ignorant comments that she made that I'm about to blast her for. Can someone please tell Kelly Stafford to shut the hell up? Seriously. Can someone please tell her to shut the hell up? A dictatorship. Really? Because a state because state officials unlike government officials give a damn about the health and the well-being of their sit of 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 their occupants in the state but it's a dictatorship are you out of your goddamn mind kelly stafford a dictatorship do you have any clue what a dictatorship is because you can yell and scream about the small businesses, and my hearts go out to those people too. People are never going to get going to get their businesses back. But you have to, but you also have to look at it from this standpoint. You're not going to have an economy. You're not going to have, and this is what these people that are so quick to say, open up the economy, open up, you know, that are so trigger happy to open the economy. I'm like, hold on. The economy, excuse me, the economy only works. If the if the people in charge of the businesses operated, the economy is not some computer. The economy of the United States works because there are humans that, because there are humans involved in the process that make it still go that keep it that keeps the ball moving. So there's not going to be an economy of any kind if there are no people around or not enough people around to run it and to operate within it. So, and that's just going for her. That's for everybody. And I understand people got to get back to work. I understand people's money has to be made, but the economy, there is no economy without people. The economy isn't a, is, isn't a computer. It's something that only works and it's, and it's only as good as the humans that make it work. And you can't have humans around to make it work 
if everyone and their mother is either dead or sitting in a hospital on a ventilator because they got coronavirus. Or, if not to that extreme, are locked in their houses not feeling 100% because of said coronavirus. So, the idea that it's a dictatorship, that the state of Michigan is, you know, is ran by Mussolini is an absolute is a is a joke. Could somebody tell Kelly Stavitt to open up a history book, please? Can somebody tell her to open up a freaking history book? Go to Google, go to Siri, go to Alexa, and tell her and and, and what the hell a, a dictatorship is? A dictatorship. This is the same governor that was damn near kidnapped and. Killed because a bunch of Trump nutcases decided to to plot a plan to kidnap and kill the governor because she thinks enough of the citizens that occupy that state to, to keep them safe. Unlike the orange dumbass that's going to be occupying the Oval Office for... A month and 30 days for another month and 30 days. Like, like, are, are, are you that stupid, Kelly Stafford? Are you that dumb? Are you that, are you that stupid? Are you that privileged? Are you that ignorant? Are you that naive to not understand how the world works? A dictatorship. Calling out the, the the Michigan governor who nearly was kidnapped and killed by a group of people that support a president that damn near acts like a dictator. Christ, it's been two weeks and he still thinks the election is somehow quote unquote rigged and is going to end up in his favor. A dictatorship. Compl bitching and moaning because you have to be locked up in a million dollar house of yours. In the confines of Detroit, Michigan. Not, you're not, you're, please. Stop. You're not any of these people lining up along the sidewalks in the streets poor as hell for food stamps because they ain't got nothing on the table, nothing in the refrigerator for them to eat. And not any of these people that is praying to God that they don't lose their health care. Not any of these people that are scared to death that come the first of, of 2021 they're going to lose their stimulus. Their stimulus money is going to stop coming in. You're not any of these people that's got loved ones. 60% of their family wiped out because of this virus. She's not that poor five-year-old I read last week that lost... Uh, that lost a set of parents with, within less than a week of each other that now has to grow up the rest of their life without mama and daddy. Doesn't help that they lost him right around the corner from the holiday season. You're not any of these people. You're not me that whose great uncle had who's 91 years of age caught coronavirus you don't know you don't have anyone in your family at least to our outside of the world's knowledge whose uncle or aunt mother's and father's side that works in the hospitals frontline workers whose health is put in jeopardy damn near every single day. You don't have an uncle 62 years of age with asthma 
who was a high contact risk because someone around him, because he works in healthcare too, that tested positive for corona, who's 62 years of age with asthma. So who the hell are you to sit and talk about a dictatorship? Shut the hell up. You yourself, of all people, should be careful and should hit your knees every single night that the good Lord continues to give you life as a freaking cancer survivor. Yet the state of Michigan is apparently Italy in nineteen in the nineteen forties because the people that run that state gives a damn about the health of the people that occupy that state. And again, you're not you and Matthew Stafford are not living on food stamps. Your husband is making millions, is is a is a quarterback in the National Football League, getting paid millions of dollars to be, let's call it like we see it, pretty an average, being average, mediocre. Nothing special about Matthew Stafford. I know Brennan wants to go off and say, "Well, Matthew Stafford is underappreciated. He's uh, he's not appreciated. This he's underappreciated. This and the other. I don't want to hear it. He's getting paid millions more than what he's worth. To be quite honest with you, to be average, living a good life in the state of Michigan, outside of Detroit, living a good life. Lastman is blessed enough with the ability to play professional football at the quarterback position and to pay good money for it to, to do it when everybody in their mama knows he ain't worth a third of what he's getting paid. He's not Brady. He's not Mahomes. He's not Wilson. He's not Murray. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Aaron Rodgers. The state of Michigan, and you are sitting your privileged ass up in a million-dollar mansion and got the chutzpah, the temerity, the audacity, and the unmitigated gall to sit up here and preach to the world that the state of Michigan is a dictatorship when your privileged high parts are sitting up living in a million-dollar mansion? Are you mother-bleeping kidding me? Really? A dictatorship? And the governor of Michigan was damn near kidnapped and killed by a group of people who support a president that acts like a dictator his damn self. And you are going to sit up here and lecture America talking about the state of Michigan is a dictatorship. What the hell is wrong with you? Kelly Stafford, I got news for you. Your white privilege is showing. Repeat, your white privilege is is showing. Quit acting like a Karen and shut the hell up and get the hell off of Instagram. Because you have no idea what the hell you are talking about. And if you feel so bad for the small businesses, how about you and your husband cough up some of that money, a lot of it which he doesn't deserve, and help take care of these small businesses. Because far be it for the federal government to do a damn thing to help the guys at the bottom. Mitch McConnell. 
How about put your money where your mouth is and help out those small business people? Instead of getting on Instagram Live, bitching and screaming, talking about the state of Michigan, it's a freaking dictatorship. Get real. Dictatorship, you sitting your ass up in a in a million dollar mansion, talking about the state of Michigan, the dictatorship. Shut up. Come on, if you don't have a vaccine, you have to be locked in your house. Yeah, you're damn right you got to be locked in your house. Because I'm, I'm sitting up here watching these watching these morons sitting up here spreading COVID left and right. Infecting all, all these hundreds of thousands of people. Getting everybody and their mother sick. People dying and dropping dead like flies and crap. Your state has the sixth highest number of cases by state in the United States. Trying to make sure people like you, cancer survivor, doesn't drop dead because of the damn thing. The hell is wrong with you? A, a, a dictatorship. Really? Can somebody tell Kelly Stafford, or excuse me, Karen Stafford, to get a freaking clue? Will you please? A dictatorship. What are you smoking? A dictatorship. Well, Kelly Starrett put her money where her mouth is and donate a couple of million dollar checks to the people in need. Instead of sitting up here lecturing people on Instagram, talking about the music and the Nick Tannenham. Shut the hell up. Give me a break. Break down week 11 back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to week 11 of the National Football League. You know how I like to do it. Preview all the uh, key marquee matchups of the week and then uh, end the segment with uh, the picks against the spread, and I shall. Week 11 of the National Football League, the game to watch at in the 1 o'clock window is between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that game, of course, is a rematch of the 2019 AFC Divisional Round game that these two teams played in the same venue in at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore uh, 10 months prior, back in January. As you remember this, uh, as you remember when these two teams played each other on January the 11th, Titans got the best of the Ravens. Hell, Lamar Jackson, the high-flying Ravens offense in check. Derrick Henry went absolutely ballistic on him, even through a touchdown pass, if you remember. Uh, and they won that game 28 to 12. This Titans defense isn't isn't the same Titans defense that we were accustomed to seeing late in the 20 down, going down the stretch in the 2019 season, heading into 2020, and those two games against the Patriots the week before the Ravens game and of course the Ravens game uh, on January the 11th. While the Ravens exactly on the offensive side of football aren't the same team they were in 2019 either. Uh, they haven't, you know, running game hasn't been as explosive as it has been in Europe's, or excuse me, uh, like it was last year. Lamar Jackson isn't the uh, isn't the same explosive 
uh, offensive weapon as like he was last year as far as running the football is concerned effectively and and uh, making uh, making good plays with his arms. So both of these teams, their strengths, Titans with the defense and the Ravens with the offense, are not the same that we've been accustomed to seeing a la when these two teams matched up against each other back in January. Uh, so it'll be a very, very interesting, vital matchup. The Titans, of course, you know, will be the, you know, are way down the Ravens' worry list. You know, Ravens got to worry about getting past the Steelers and uh, getting past the Steelers and getting past Kansas City if they make the playoffs. But, you know, don't be surprised if they have to go up against Tennessee. You know, uh, Tennessee wins the division. They got to go to Tennessee. Or of a miracle of miracles, the Ravens steal this division, or it's another Steelers collapse, and they win a division. And Tennessee has to come. You know, chances of that happening are minimal. But do not be surprised if these two teams match up against each other come January of 2021. And you know, if you know, and it may not, and they may not see the Titans again after tomorrow. But this is the game that if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you have to win. You know, you lost. You know, you you lost the game that you that you should have won against against a sub five hundred Patriot team last week. You lose this game. You drop to six and four, and especially because Pittsburgh, you know, plays Jacksonville, which would be an easy pickings. If they lose this game, odds are. Pittsburgh will be going into Thanksgiving when these two teams play each other again in Pittsburgh Thanksgiving night. Pittsburgh would be ten and oh Baltimore would be six and four. And Baltimore would would have you know, it'd be a good it'd be a good highly competitive football game, you know, all the starters you know, so it, you wouldn't get a less of a product, but there wouldn't be as much juice behind the game other than the fact that it's a rivalry game, you know. Pittsburgh ten and oh, Baltimore uh six and four you know they're they the Ravens are pretty much playing for I don't want to say pride because they still are trying to make the playoffs and it is a rivalry game against Pittsburgh Thanksgiving night the whole country's watching but but it won't but it won't have any magnitude as far as uh, as far as winning the division is concerned you can even argue you can even argue if the if the Ravens win tonight or excuse me, when tomorrow afternoon that that you know it, that the Thanksgiving game means nothing as far as division is concerned. But if the Ravens lose on Sunday, then that's a definite for sure that that uh, the Thanksgiving matchup against Pittsburgh would definitely not mean anything. So the Ravens need that game in the worst way imaginable. Plus seven and three going up against nine and one or ten and zero. Oh. It looks a lot better, you know, being three games back, especially if Baltimore beats, knocks off Pittsburgh, gives them their first loss of the season. That'd be a huge pick-me-up for Baltimore, you know, rivalry. And it, it, Baltimore would feel good if they win if they win tomorrow and knock off Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving night on the road. They would they, they would, they'd feel very and, – and it also would make Pittsburgh sweat a little bit because it would make, it'd wake up Pittsburgh like, hey, this – you know, they're not going to – they're not going to lie down and, and give us and give us this division. We have to fight it. We have to finish. We have to work hard. We have to earn it. But focusing on the Baltimore-Tennessee game, Tennessee's defense has been sloppy, not as good as it has been in previous seasons. They got absolutely destroyed by Indianapolis uh, a couple, you know, about what, 10, 11 days ago. My Bengals went crazy on them offensively when they played them about, I think, the week before that. So, and then the Ravens' offense hasn't been as dynamic as they saw back in January of the previous season. But this would be a very interesting and, tr- and intriguing matchup. Two six and three teams. Both are six and three, but should, but, you know, should have more than six wins at this point in the season. Both teams have lost games that they had no business losing Tennessee, losing to Indianapolis, and then I guess you can count them losing to Cincinnati, and then Baltimore losing to New England as well, uh, and then they beat themselves when they played Pittsburgh a few weeks prior to that, um, so on November the 1st, so this would be a very intriguing, interesting matchup. Tennessee has a 76 uh, 0.5% red zone touchdown percentage this season at second highest in all of football. 
um, while the Ravens have allowed a touchdown on, you know, with a 72, excuse me, 76.2 percentage of red zone drives, that's the highest in the National Football League. Their defense, let's see if they can hold Derrick Henry in check this time. They've allowed a league low 18.3 points per game this season. It'd be third time in team history that a team would finish with the number one scoring defense. Let's not forget the, uh, the, uh, the world famous arguably the greatest defense of 21st century NFL football in the 2000 Ravens, their championship team 20 years ago. Uh, the the Titans are sixth and there are the Titans are sixth in rushing this season. Ravens are sixth in defense. Let's see if that balances each other out and, and if the Ravens learn their lesson um, from their defeat back in January, uh, back on January the 11th of uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Packers and Colts uh, is the four is the quote unquote. Fox uh, NFL on Fox uh, game of the week as they like to call it. That game's going to be at 4:25 in Indianapolis. Aaron Rodgers going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Aaron Rodgers seven and two, beating the uh, Jaguars by the hair of their chinny chin chin. While the Colts are coming off a nice win, having a few days off, beating the uh, Tennessee Titans on Thursday night. A few day, you know, about a week and a couple days back, they are at six and three and in sole control of first place in that division. Uh, this will be a very intriguing, interesting football game as well for both teams. Indianapolis, of course, trying to uh, keep pace with Tennessee as far as getting the division is concerned. Green Bay, this is uh, you can say this is Green Bay's hardest game left on their schedule after after the Colts. It's smooth sailing from here on in, and uh, you know, and it would not shock me if you know the Green Bay Packer defense, which in the National Football League this year. Is uh, you know against the run is you know against the run is not that good, and while the while the uh, Colts rushing is not that good, and they're in you know they're middle of the pack offense. The offense is is subpar. The Colts defense is very good. Uh, while the Green Bay Packers run defense isn't very good, and their offense is top ten in football. So you know. It, the Packers need this game. They need this game to to they need this game if they want to run away with the number one seed in the NFC, uh, you know, and and make uh make the uh, the Saints, the Buccaneers, and the Seahawks uh, eat dust and make them play wild card weekend. Packers need to win this game and therefore run the table from there on in to secure 14 and two in the division and lock up the number one seed if they want to have the week off and play the divisional uh, round game or divisional round weekend of uh in middle of January uh with a, you know in no fans but in an but in a Lambeau field where they may have to go up against you know a uh you know go up against uh you know the um maybe the Saints or uh maybe the Saints or the Buccaneers or Eagles or a team like that um, while the Colts again, like I said, need to win this need to win this game to stay atop of the uh, AFC South, because it would not shock me if Tennessee uh, knocks off Baltimore or tomorrow. Uh, not a game to preview, but an item of news to get to. Taysom Hill going to start Drew Brees on IR with the broken ribs and collapsed lung. You know, you would expect that, you know, it'd be Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill sharing the duties at quarterback with Taysom Hill lining up as a wide receiver and running back. You know how uh, Sean Payton likes to uh, use the Swiss Army knife cape to uh, Taysom Hill. So there's news for that in, that, uh, in the Saints-Falcons game tomorrow. Chiefs and Raiders, a Sunday night game. Uh, Raiders, of course, the only team in the National Football League of the last what eighteen months to knock off the uh, to knock off the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They took care of business. Uh, they took care of business against them back on October. Let me get you the exact date to get you to make sure that I'm 100% accurate. When they knocked them off 40 to 32 in an offensive shootout on October the 11th, these two teams play each other for the second time in a month and a, in a, in a, in a month and 10 day month and 11 days. Chiefs eight and one have not lost the game since October the 11th. Raiders six and three. If the Raiders you know want to want to shock the world and steal and that would be what it would be 
because the Chiefs don't have easy opponents going up against Tampa Bay and the and the Saints um, from here on in. If the Raiders went at one and the and, and the Raiders have also beaten the Saints uh, <laughs> week two, so that would be so common. If a common opponent ever came into the scenario, that would be very important. That'd be very important, you know. All of a sudden, that Raider victory beating the Saints, you know, week two would mean something if these two teams would uh, fall. You know, if the Ra- if the uh, if the Raiders would win this divi- you know, win this game on Sunday night and then have the same record, that uh, maybe it wouldn't play into a factor. But hey, it it it, it all it doesn't hurt them that they took care of business against the Saints and the Chiefs have yet to play the Saints and they and they don't have the advantage like the Raiders did of playing at home. They have to go on the road. Granted no fans in the Superdome, but uh but it, but it's not like you know, but again, nothing in, nothing is a given in the National Football League. Um but the Chiefs have not lost the game since October the 11th. Raiders, if they want any chance to shock the world and steal this division from Kansas City or make it into the playoffs as a wild card team and kind of catch teams, uh, you know, catch the Colts slash the Titans, the Ravens, the Browns, you know, or, uh, you know, catch any of those teams off guard trying to get one of the three wild card teams. This is the game that they would have to win, of course. Um, here at six and three, home game in Las Vegas makes a Sunday night football debut. Remember, Sunday night was going to go there for the Bucks and the Raiders. They had to flex out of that game to Seattle and Arizona because uh, because Seattle, you know, because of the COVID situation with the Raiders and the Raiders again, you know, with COVID, you know, they well, like their half the defense was out with COVID. With NBC is like, well, we got no game to flex to now, so. If uh, if if we got no Sunday night game because the Raiders are being careless, they'll essentially uh, take every Raiders draft pick from here to twenty thirty five. If if the if the Raiders mess with the NFL's money as far as NBC and advertising and ratings and all that sort of stuff is concerned. Um, but it's going to be a very intriguing, interesting football game. Be interesting to see if it's high-flying and as high-scoring of offenses between the two like it was back in October. Be interesting to see if there's any defense involved in these games with the Raiders side and and the Kansas City Chiefs side. Be interesting to see how the Chiefs adjust to playing in that new stadium, first digs. You know, first time playing at a Elijah Elite, whatever the name of the stadium is called, uh, on the Las Vegas Strip. They'll be interested to see as well. And uh, if the Chiefs get out to a high flying lead and are and are flying, you know, during the first half of that football game, but also it would also be very uh, intriguing to see if the Raiders can keep pace with Kansas City. If Kansas City gets out to an early lead, and if they have the moral fiber within them to come back and do uh, and to tie the game and if not beat Kansas City if they were put in that situation late into the you know on uh, Sunday night and then of course the Monday night game which is a which is a decent one Rams and the in the Buccaneers Rams fly east to play the Buccaneers in Tampa home of Super Bowl 55 uh, Buccaneers defense should have an easy time shutting down the Rams offense, which has been uh, non-existent for, or not. I shouldn't say non-existent, but not very good. Not, doesn't you know? Doesn't blow you away. So that'll be interesting to see. Also, be interesting to see how Tom Brady and company does against the Rams defense. You, of course, that Rams defense held Tom Brady, uh, held you know, shut down Tom Brady and. Uh, well, here I'll give you the stats right quick. A Super Bowl uh, of Super Bowl fifty, uh, of Super Bowl fifty three, which was the last time Tom Brady and Gronk went up against the Rams. And of course, you remember the final score was thirteen to three, so it wasn't a lot of offense going on in the game. Um, let's see if I can give you the stats right quick. I can give you. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Tom Brady. He in that game he was twenty one for thirty five two sixty two an interception so he you know not a Super Bowl MVP performance from Tommy and they held Gronk to six receptions eighty seven yards in that game too when they went up against the Rams in Super Bowl fifty three so that'll be interesting to see as well in that game as well so there is where you stand with Week eleven of the National Football League. 
Uh, it is time now. We do it every weekend of the NFL season. Week 11 picks against the spread in the league where they play for pay. The Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns favorite minus three and a half going up against Philly. I will pick the Cleveland Browns to win this game 26 to 10. Arizona, or excuse me, Atlanta Falcons flying uh, to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. No Drew Brees. Saints favorite minus four and a half. I will take the Saints to win 31-24. Detroit going up against Carolina. Carolina, tough loss last time out. Going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. Detroit winning a last-second game that shouldn't even have been close. It should have blew Washington out the water. This is uh, the last game for the Thanksgiving matchup against Houston. I will pick the Carolina Panthers to win this game by 3, 26-23. New England favored... Minus a point and a half. Going on the road, taking on the Houston Texans. I will take the Patriots to win this game by one, 21 to 20. While the Pittsburgh Steelers are favored in minus 10, going up against the hapless Jacksonville Jaguars. Have not won a game in a long, long time. Pittsburgh took care of business and absolutely demolished my Bengals last time out. Jacksonville made a Green Bay Packers sweat on the road, but still couldn't deliver the goods. I will take the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Jaguars 35-10. to And my Cincinnati Bengals going up against the Washington Redskins slash football team. Uh, in that matchup, uh, Cincinnati returns to Washington for the first time since 2012. Muhammad Sanu threw a touchdown pass to A.J. Green as the Bengals took care of business against Washington back in 2012. Last time these two teams played in general was Week 16 in London, and that or not Week 16, in 2016 that season in London, and the game ended in a tie. Uh, Should have got my man Brennan on to talk about this game. We'll see if I can get him on Thanks over the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a bad job on my part. Washington's favorite, a minus a point and a half. They made things interesting against the Lions last week. Could not deliver the goods. Matt Prayer hit a game-winning field goal to win it. Bengals got absolutely embarrassed by the Steelers like they have been for the last five years last Sunday. I'll take the Bengals to win this game 28-17. to 17. Uh, Top two picks of this past year's draft between uh, Chase Young and Joe Burrow. So look out for that as well. Um, the Tennessee Titans going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Tennessee coming off of a Thursday night loss about 10, 11 days ago. Uh, going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favorite minus six and a half. Lost a tough one on the road to the New England Patriots last Sunday night. I will take the Titans to win this game by a touchdown. Ravens favorite minus six, six and a half. I'll take the Titans to win. 27 to 20. Miami Dolphins favorite minus three and a half going on the road to play the Denver Broncos. I will take the Miami Dolphins to win that game 27 to 17. While the New York Jets coming off of a bye week last time out they lost the last second Vic. They lost uh, they lost to the Patriots on Monday night last second defeat. Yet to get a win and this is their best chance if they want to get that win. Uh, they go up against the L.A. Chargers, minus 8.5. Chargers have Chargers have been struggling. Chargers have been doing the Chargers thing. Justin, they lost last time out to the Dolphins. Uh, they lost last time out to the uh, to the Miami Dolphins last week on the road. Um, and this would be the just best chance to get their first win of the season. Chargers like to choke and like to disappoint. The Chargers are favorite, minus 8.5. I'll take the Los Angeles Chargers to win this game 28-10. The Dallas Cowboys coming off of a bye, going on the road to play the Minnesota Vikings before their Thanksgiving matchup against Washington. Minnesota favorite minus 7.5. Minnesota got Kirk Cousins his first win of his NFL career on Monday Night Football. I will take the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Cowboys 31-21. Green Bay going on the road to Indianapolis. Indianapolis favorite minus two and a half. 
Green Bay took care of business by the hair of the chin 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 against the Jaguars on the road, excuse me, at, at Lambeau, while the Colts coming off of their Thursday night victory, having a quote-unquote mini bye week against the Titans. Indianapolis favorite minus two and a half. I'll take Green Bay to win by three, 24 to 21. Sunday night game, Kansas City favorite minus six and a half. Coming off of a uh, coming off of a bye week, uh, can or Kansas City under Andy Reid, excuse me, are very very good, one of the best in all of football under Andy Reid. Coming off of a bye week, got one of the best winning percentages in the sport. Favorite minus six and a half. They took care of business, if you remember, against uh, against Carolina the week before their bye. While the Vegas is coming home trying to do what no team has done in quite a long time, and that's uh, and that's hand Kansas City their second loss of the season. I will take Kansas City to win the high-scoring nail-biter, 35-32, and the Monday night game between the Rams and Tampa. Rams coming off of their uh, impressive victory, divisional victory at home against the Seattle Seahawks last week, um, going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who got uh, Tampa Bay yet to have their bye. They had a nice bounce-back victory after getting destroyed by the Saints at home on Sunday night. They went on the road to play Carolina. Ronald Jones went crazy. They took care of business. Tampa Bay favorite minus 3.5. I will take... Tampa Bay to win it 24 to 17. Those are your week 11 picks. We'll be back to wrap up the program with some NBA news. It's NBA news, excuse me. This is the Amtelica TIS podcast. Don't, don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Telling TIS podcast. Ending the show with some NBA free agency news, and I also got to address the Clay Thompson injury as well. Um, Clay Thompson, in case you haven't heard, um, or just as a reminder, he tore his uh, he tore his Achilles. The news broke on Thursday. Torres Achilles will be out for the entire 2020 and 2021 NBA season, which will definitely hurt the kid, the uh, the Golden State Warriors because they were, you know, expecting Clay to come back, uh, expecting Clay to come back fully and healthy, full and healthy, and uh, you know him and Steph Curry. They they were the favorites to uh, to be that team to knock off. Um, to be that to be that team along with the uh, loss along with the Clippers to dethrone the Lakers in a, in the Western Conference and of course you know they'll be competitive they'll be good but their chances of them doing that is slim to none now uh, with uh, you know with no uh, with no Clay Thompson to compete in this upcoming season which starts a month from tomorrow um, and just to give you some NBA free agency news KCP. A uh, three-year, forty million dollar deal with the Lakers. So he's, uh, so uh, so that's the situation with him. Tristan Thompson has agreed to go with the to sign with the uh, with the Cavs. Uh, Dwight Howard, one-year deal with the Sixers. Uh, Rajon Rondo, uh, two-year deal, fifteen million for the Atlanta Hawks. Freddie Van Fleet, eighty-five million dollar contract extension with the Toronto Raptors, largest total value for any undrafted player in NBA history. The Darian Fox has a $163 million to one ninety six. That's the range that his extension goes for five years in San in uh in um Sacramento, Gordon Hayward, four years will be joining Lamelo Ball or whatever any of I forget the, they the names all I, I think it's Lamelo Ball, uh in uh in Charlotte 
So he will join uh he will join him and Lavar and uh and play for Michael Jordan down in Charlotte. Four years, hundred twenty million dollar deal. That's where you stand with the NBA. And then of course the unfortunate injury with um and of course the unfortunate injury with um Clay Thompson, something you'll hate to see, and it'll be what thirty something months before you, before you'll see Clay Thompson play in a in a uh, in an NBA in an NBA game of uh, of, uh, of matter again. I mean, it just uh, yeah, it's terrible, and it you know, and it hurts the competitiveness of the league, you know, and you know, and it, 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 you know, if you're a sports fan, you're you're a basketball fan. You hate to hear an injury, you know, coming off of a torn ACL, and then long, and then he goes ahead. And and his uh, and his Achilles is gone. He has to get surgery for that. It's just absolutely horrible, absolutely just horrible, horrible, horrible news. Um, but you know, see if Steph Curry can put Steph Curry and Draymond Green can put the uh, put the team on his back and uh, do the impossible and end up you know maybe making a busting conference finals and uh, giving LeBron and company some help. You never know. That's why you got to play the games, but. That's another episode in the books of the Amatel Akitalia's podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T I S. Enjoy week 11 of the National Football League, everybody. It's your boy, Jai Shield. Excuse me, signing off. Talk to you Thanksgiving Eve. Y'all take care. Be safe. <laughs>